In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Jack. Jack, how are you, mate? I'm great. Looking forward to week one. It's finally here. Let's go. It's nice to have you in the studio for a change. I'll make myself available once a week when you decide to do the show. That's up to you, mate. Okay. And we're very lucky today, or may I say unlucky, we have got a Steelers fan uh, on uh, Zoom. Not Skype, but on Zoom. Jim, how are you, Jim? Good to see you guys. Thanks for having me on. No, it's great. Thank you very much. Um, it's not very often we get a uh, Steelers fan in the room or on the show. So, Jim, why are you a Steelers fan? Two words, the bus. Uh, Jerome Bettis is an absolute legend. Uh, first player I really saw that was just doing stuff that was freakish. You know, he has the body of Mr. Strong from the Mr. Men, but he's got legs that just won't stop turning. And so to see a guy that big having defenders drag off him, and he still gets yards. Um, I was completely hooked by the NFL at that point. And so I started getting into watching him and then understanding more about the Steelers. Uh, more skilled players like uh, Troy Polamalu or Heinz Ward or, you know, Ike Taylor. Um, and it kind of just grew from there. And obviously the, the Rooney family and the, the stability of the, the franchise, uh, the unity they show to their players is something that I always get behind. So whether it's a great defense or a kind of, um, dynamic offense. I've been enjoying watching the Steelers uh, for over ten years. Okay, great. And do you get to uh, get out to uh, Pittsburgh to see him a lot? I haven't been able to go to Pittsburgh yet, but uh, I have been going to all of the London games. For um, my first one was Broncos against Forty ers so that's about eight years ago, I think. And yeah, I tried to get everyone since then. So it's been fun to watch all of them come over here, at least. I have seen a huge um, Big Ben in Regent Street. Was it Big Ben? I think it was. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's the tie-in, isn't it, to the clock? So. Yeah. What I, I see him this year, I'm going to put a knife in him. <laughs> That's not nice. That's not nice. Be nice. <laughs> I'm only joking. I wouldn't really do that. That's fine. That's fine. I'm a family man. Okay, great. He's stuck the and... knife in you plenty of times, hasn't he? So. <laughs> And uh, uh, a question I ask everyone is, uh, what body part would you be willing to give up for the Steelers to win uh, this year's Super Bowl? I can't think of anything I'd give up for the Steelers. I've, already, I've, I've seen them win two, so it's not that big a deal to me if they don't win this year, you know. I'd love them to do it, but, um, yeah, let's have, a, let's have a right foot. I'm left-footed, so let's do a right foot. <laughs> That's the least I can give. All right, great. And... Um, a couple of ex-Browns that are um, the Steelers at the moment. Hayden, mm-hmm. you a big fan of yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Joe Hayden, seventh overall pick in 2010. Uh, we've got him in the middle of a three-year deal. I think it was 27 mil. Um, yeah, he's great. We've had some problems at, uh, on the secondary. We drafted Artie Burns, who's pretty good, but we obviously needed some cover on the other side. Um, and Joe Hayden does what 
a proper cornerback does, and that's make the quarterback think about that side of the field that he's throwing at. So, um, although he hasn't had many interceptions last year, he actually was a great addition to the locker room. And um, looking forward to see what he does this year. We've got some backup there as well. Cam Sutton we've drafted as well. Yeah. Um, he had a year. So, yeah, we're looking forward to that. We're kind of stabilising the secondary, and Joe Hayden's at the heart of that. Okay, great. And uh, do you know much about Zach Banner? I guess I probably know about as much as you do about Zach Banner. He's a bit of a beast, isn't he? He's, what, uh, six foot seven, I think, 362 pounds. Um, He obviously didn't stick around with uh, the Colts long after they drafted him, and then he spent the year with you. He played the second half thing against Tennessee, and then he played the first three quarters against Carolina. Looked okay. They stuck him second on the depth chart behind Marcus Gilbert, uh, right tackle. So we'll see how he goes. I think, you know, someone with those kind of freakish athletic abilities, they'll, when they're trying to train him, it's easier to train someone that's that size. Um, you can't make someone bigger. So yeah. they're starting the right way around, I guess, with Zach. Good. Are you excited about him or just on the fence? I'll be on the fence for now. Like I said, there's, there's too many of those. Ill, you know, you see someone like Clive Wolford who came out as a tight end for the, the Raiders, a really freakish athletic guy, especially in the combine. But he really didn't do anything for the Raiders and they moved him on already. So I'll, I'll reserve judgment on a, on a guy that size. I don't know if the technique's there. The fact that he hasn't spent more than an off-season at one place is, gives you a little bit of pause, you know. So we'll see how it goes. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, well, we've had a look at him as well. Okay, great. Is that Todd Haley I hear? We're going to start with some no love. Pray for your brother. Because we all our brothers keep Your brother hurt, we all hurt. Your brother shy, we all shy. Your brother eat, we all eat. Family on three. One, two, three. Hey. I'm alive again, more alive than I have been in my whole entire life. I can see these people's ears perk up as I be. So, how did you view the draft? Was it a good draft for the Steelers? Was it a bad draft? Sort of mainly looking at the first three rounds. I'm not that worried about the later picks. It's uh, something that you'll find out later. Yeah. Well, um, Terrell Edmonds was our first round pick, and I think everyone was in a bit of shock because obviously it was so cool to see. Um, Shazier just walk on and off the podium. That everyone, he, he kind of just rushed the pick out, and everyone was like, "Oh wow, Ryan Shazier's here!" And then <laughs> a few minutes later, like, Hang on, who do we pick? <laughs> Terrell Edmonds. Okay, um, so that took a bit of uh, research into finding out just who the hell this guy is. But uh, we did need help at safety. Um, Mike Mitchell, we had his next uh, Panther. We had to move him on. He was average at best, you know. So we brought in Morgan Burnett and Nat Bayer from the Packers and. Giants, respectively, in free agency. So I still was I was hoping they would pick defense for their first round, and they did. So I can't be mad with uh, Terrell Edmonds. He's actually looking pretty good. Uh, and also then James Washington, another wide receiver. You can't have too many of those. Uh, Jalen Samuel, round three, as a running back. That might be an heir apparent for Le'Veon after this season. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, so the Washington pick I love. I think he is going to be a fantastic player. And when you've already got... Brown, you've already got Juju. It's it's going to be a good wide receiver core there. Um, yep. Edmonds was just bizarre. When the only thing really anyone knew about him going into the uh, draft was his brother got picked earlier. Um, yeah. Pretty much the only thing. And many people are questioning, would he even have been at the draft if his brother wasn't getting picked? <laughs> um, 
I think the answer would be no, because there was people had him as low as like third round grade. But yeah, you've obviously had a problem the last uh, sort of last five, ten years of a beast called Gronk <laughs> destroys you every season. Um, yeah. So if Edmonds turns into the cure there, and then after Gronk retires, there's going to be this lad. Um, a good friend of ours, David Njoku, that comes and starts destroying the middle of your field. Uh, so you're going to need a solution. And if he can do that, he's going to be great. The question is, will Mason Rudolph be the future? Or is it just a short-term backup pick? What's your views on that? I think it's, uh, it's prudent to take a quarterback every draft for every team, really, you know. Uh, so I'm not mad at them taking uh, Mason Rudolph, but he is below Josh Dobbs in the depth chart. And actually, I'm much higher on Dobbs. I was very happy that they cut Landry Jones as opposed to Dobbs or Rudolph um, with the 53. So I think you're going to see, you know, Pittsburgh hasn't always been a kind of Terry Bradshaw, Ben Roethlisberger quarterback. They had Slash as well with Cordell Stewart, where you've got a much more athletic quarterback. Tommy Maddox was a bit of a scrambler. So, you know, there's not always been that stand-in-the-pocket guy. And I think Josh Dobbs encapsulates the, the, the different kind of maybe future-style quarterback that we've got in the NFL. Um, he's got a good arm. He's got even better legs. And he's been learning. He's a really clever guy. I mean, astrophysicist-type clever. Um, I don't know if you saw any of his uh, Gruden training camp. But actually, I'm a lot higher on Dobbs than Rudolph. So, yeah, I'm happy with the way it is at the moment in the, in the pecking order. So... Yeah, Rudolph was quite interesting as, as a third-round pick for you guys. He kind of sits in no man's land. Is that is that fair or? For me personally, you pick a quarterback in the first round that you genuinely think is going to be the future, either this year or next year, or you pick a quarterback in sort of the fifth, sixth, seventh round, maybe a fourth late on, because they might develop into a backup. It's sort of. It's that weird area to draft a quarterback in sort of two, three, four and a half. Because if you thought they were going to be great, you're taking them in the first round. So um, who knows? It's one of them. And well, I mean, you guys definitely take quarterbacks in the first round uh, regularly. But um, you know, teams like the Steelers, they're they're further down the draft anyway. Uh, so their position isn't great. They have to sell, they have to sell picks to move up. But sometimes they trust in their scouting reports and they look at players that maybe were okay. It, it depends on the system as well. You're not always going to find that, that franchise quarterback right at the top of the draft. The same way you can bust out just as, just as easily on the top of the yeah. draft with a quarterback. You know, you look at some of the, the best quarterbacks, they weren't taken in the first three rounds. Mm. We, well, can, we can go for a list of at least 10, 10 starting quarterbacks that weren't top, top three rounds. Yeah, but I'd happily take the odds that there's more first-round quarterbacks that have been successful than sixth-round quarterbacks. It's one of them that I think the value in the picks, you better... And you don't really need a quarterback this year. The trouble is, obviously, Big Ben talks every year about is this going to be the year he retires, then gets upset when you draft a quarterback. But you either dress it in the first year and go, right, Ben, you've got one year left, go and do something, maybe two if you want to hang around. Or, and you, Lamar Jackson, I think, would have been a great pick. I'm grateful he didn't go to you guys. I'd rather he wasn't in our division. How, um, how was the Steelers' uh, preseason so far? 
it's gone all right. Obviously, you can't read too much into preseason. It's just about training and uh, and whittling down a roster. So, so okay. I think it was three and one. I think the record. Um, you you never really look at the scoreline. It's just making sure that some of your your draft picks have have worked out okay. Um, yeah, it's it's done all right. There's only one of our our seventh round draft pick, Josh Fraser, was the only one that didn't get uh, picked up and, and given the contract. Uh, D lineman out of Alabama. Uh, he didn't didn't impress, and uh, Lavon Hooks has taken his place. He was on the practice call last year. I'm actually really impressed about um, Marcus Allen, the safety we took in the sixth round out of Penn State. So just a little bit more um, depth there in the secondary, which we desperately need. Hang on a minute, Jim. We went uh, we went four and zero last preseason. Look what that did for us. We did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've got Paul here that gets more excited about the preseason, the practice squad than he does about the regular season and the 53-man roster. So, don't be offended. And the hard knocks have been impressive. <laughs> I've told uh, yeah. Jack not to mention the, anything about the practice squad because it hasn't been fully released yet from the Browns. So, Jack knows okay. he can't talk anything about the practice squad. It will be by the time this show's released and we'll have done a podcast on it. So, uh, <sighs> you need to think about that, Paul. <laughs> um, where do you think the uh, Browns' biggest strengths are going into uh, uh, game week one? Well, there seems to be a, a better energy around the place for a start. You're looking at hard knocks and definitely some of that funk has been knocked out of the place. Jarvis Landry has been a great addition for you. Um, brings a much better mentality. Sarad Taylor is another really solid pickup there. Um, yeah, it's just nice to see that there is a, a slightly better attitude there. And Baker Mayfield has just been immensely impressive. Um, yeah, he's he's training hard. He's saying all the right things. So, I think that's one of the biggest strengths is just to know that it's it might not be the same old Browns this year. I really hope it's not. Are you uh, genuinely concerned about us going into get, uh, game week one? <sighs> um, uh, I would. Well, no, okay. not not right now. Not, not to be nasty, but not right now. I think now the first week is a bit too early. Um, you haven't really had a chance to, to have a flashback on the field and get him up to speed. Uh, there still might, you know, it takes a while to get up to speed uh, fully on what's going on. I've got the same problem over this side with Le'Veon. So you can always throw that one back. But when you're talking about Brown Steelers, especially in recent history, you've got to look at, Ben Roethlisberger and, and the record he's got against you guys. What is it? Twenty-three and two record, and it's eleven and two, uh, sorry, twelve and two in Cleveland. So he's got more wins than any Browns quarterback since nineteen ninety-nine. So that alone, I'm I'm feeling confident about a win uh, this first weekend. But that's not to say that the Browns shouldn't be positive going into the rest of the season. And I hope you you knock lumps out of the Ravens and the Bengals. Well, Jim, you don't have to be polite on this show, mate. You can be brutally honest. <laughs> um, my view is records are there to be broken. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think, um, if you remember the first game last season, uh, was it that yeah. punt, bloody punt, went up for that punt and then you got a touchdown straight afterwards. But it was a close yeah. game, so... Yeah, yeah. You, you ran as close both, both times, yeah. Yeah, so second time uh, Landry Jones was starting though, so that was that didn't help us. But no. uh, yeah, both both from close games. And all these rumours about Bell not starting, 
What, what's your view on that? I still think he's going to start week one. He, he went the same way last year. He wasn't up to speed, really, uh, for the first four games. Go figure what they got a four-game preseason. But uh, I think he'll be starting. Um, they'll limit him. They'll switch him up 50-50 with probably James Connor. Maybe a little bit of Jalen Samuel. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not overly worried about that right now. I think that he does this, you know, the last couple of years now, he's been pushing for that big deal. Steelers aren't going to give it to him, unfortunately, as much as I'd like him to. Um, they're not going to give it to him. So they're going to see out this last year under franchise. He'll take the money and then he'll see how he does in, in free agency. I think if you look at the problems Des has right now, trying to get a team, I mean, he, he went into your, your guy's uh, locker room and you didn't want him. So that's the problem when you've got an attitude in the league. A lot of teams won't even talk to you. And the ones that do still might not even take you on just because of the headache they might have with that. So. It'll be interesting what he does next year, but I think this year he still will be starting for the Steelers. Yeah, I, I just I can't see Bell starting. Just from a fantasy perspective, I think I might have had steal of the draft, taking James Connor with a 278th pick in a 14-man right. league. He's uh, <laughs> bold, but yeah, I'm believing. It's not much I like that pick. There in a draft. Yeah, you've, you've got to think about a, a team's playbook and what they've set up. So the last couple of years, they've been predicated on this run and they've got you know, the best pulling guard in the league in David DeCastro. He opens up lanes for, for Bell. There's no reason why he can't do the same thing for Connor. So it's always good to have a lockdown uh, on your backup uh, running back. So well done, Jack. I approve of that pick. Uh, as I've always said, the most important thing about a running game isn't the running back. It's the O-line. And it's a very mm -hmm. good O-line. And it's insane yeah. how long it's been together. When you look at most teams... If you have an O-line that stays together for two years, that is incredibly impressive. I don't know how long it is, but it's been a while that, that most of that O-line has been there. And sort of the only thing that Bell does differently than most other running backs is he's an all-rounder, so he can receive and he can run. But is that worth the money? I'm going to say no. I think you have to move him on. And I think one of the biggest factors you have to move him on is James Conner has the potential. So uh, I say let him go and onwards is upwards for you guys. Couldn't agree more, and uh, I wish him all the best as he goes on to whatever he does next. He's been a great servant for us, but hang on. They're after me. That's no, all right, they're gone. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's been a great servant for us uh, for years, and I, like I said, I wish him all the best. We're going to run the wheels off him this year and uh, see what's left of him at the end of it. Jack, mate, you're blowing your own trumpet here, mate. You, uh, you just traded for uh, Bell a couple of days ago. <laughs> I, I, I needed a running back and yeah I got good value so I'm happy with that did I mortgage the farm for him no um, so hey he's a useful addition but um, it was Hopkins for Bell basically so I thought yeah I'll take that and um, <laughs> no I'm looking at the biggest weakness for me as a team is the O-line when you've got sort of no one on the team knows, and I include Hugh Jackson in this, that just rank incompetence, knows who is going to be starting on our O-line. When you've got Joel yeah. Batonio doing interviews on Monday going, I don't really know if I'm going to be left tackle or left guard. You've got Treader, uh, who might play, might not. You've got Corbett, who might be left guard or might be um, centre. You've got an undrafted free agent in Desmond Harrison that might be starting left tackle. It's a, it's a shambles. Yeah, that's, that's never good. Um, I'm worried about 
Terod and uh, potentially even Baker if it gets that bad. You know, one thing that we haven't had a problem really with is our front seven. When you look at Stefan Tuitt, Javon Hargrave, and then Cam Haywood. Uh, we've got Bud Dupree and uh, TJ Watt on the side. So I'm looking forward to them actually getting some, some numbers on, on the weekend. I think they could do well against that O-line. Um, but I think, you know, to, to throw it back to the other side, if, if I was thinking of a way that um, the Browns could have some, some hope into this game, you look at last season for the Steelers, we dropped two games that we really should have won especially one against Chicago, which was a complete horror show. We dropped the ball massively against the Jags, not once, but twice in the league. Um, We were supposed to win both those games. And then the other loss was the uh, Jesse James touchdown against the the Patriots. So there are times when we take our eye off the ball. It's been a a problem really uh, for us the last few seasons. Um, So if there's any chance of you getting the win, then it might be our fault rather than anything else. So, where do you see your biggest weaknesses in your in your team at the moment? Um, I'm quite happy overall, to be honest. Uh, I, like I said, I'm, I'm quite happy with Josh Dobbs. So usually, you you, you live and die on your quarterback. You see what happened to the Packers last year. Um, when you lose your elite, then your season's basically over. But I'm not quite as worried now that we've got rid of Landry Jones. He, he can never drive the ball down the field. That's not some the problem that uh, Dobbs or Rudolph have. On the other side, I think, you know, we could always be better on defence. It's not the same uh, historic Steelers defence from the early 2000s. You know, we're not, we don't play that way anymore. Um, but I would like us to pressure the quarterback a bit more than we did last season. Um, because if you pressure the quarterback, you get more interceptions on the other end of it. So inside, inside linebacker is probably the biggest problem. And when we to name the, the weakest thing, that's probably going to be John Bostic rather than uh, Vance McDonald. Not Vance McDonald. Vince Williams, sorry. Do you think um, Todd Haley's come across and knows all the secrets about the Steelers? <laughs> well, I don't know if you know, but Todd Haley and Ben Roethlisberger never got on. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much uh, yeah. how much the offense really ran off Haley or ran off uh, Ben, but um, I, it's been a couple of years since then. I think that uh, anything that Todd Haley might have taught to that offense has been uh, has been changed. So. I, I don't think that's going to be a factor, unfortunately. If anything, it'll be the other way around. We know what Todd Haley dials up. Okay, good. And what do you think, think the... Biggest uh, problem, big problem is Greg Williams, isn't it? Did you see him uh, with the all or nothing for the Rams? Yes. I don't know. He, he looked almost as incompetent as Jeff Fisher, which is difficult. But uh, <laughs> He's looking a little bit better in hard knocks. I've got some serious doubts about uh, Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator. Any... Especially, well, Owen's team doesn't help. Any defensive coordinator that believes you have to have three linebackers on the field every snap shouldn't be a defensive coordinator. It's as simple as that. I understand using it at times, but we are one of only two franchises in the league that isn't drastically running away from using that nearly every snap, and uh, it, it needs sorting quick. Yeah, yeah. I um, totally agree. Are you worried about Miles Garrett on um, Big Ben? Yeah, of course. You've got to be worried when there's an elite pass rusher on the other side of the field. Um, Miles had a pretty decent uh, season last year, despite obviously the record. Uh, they they were definitely pushing. There, there was, I, I saw a lot of good in that that defense, and obviously you didn't have Jamie Collins for the majority of it either. So um, there's lots of reason to be positive about that that Browns defense. I picked him up in in my draft. Jack, we got a new uh, Nigerian uh, defensive end. Yep. 
Can you pronounce his name, please? I, it's still on my to-do list, but um, <laughs> looking forward to uh, but yeah, we. I don't know if you know. He's defensive tackle. Is he de- DT? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he no. came into the league as a defensive end. He's been playing as a D tackle. Oh. So yeah, uh, do some more research, boy. Okay, yeah. Sorry, mate. That, that'll teach me to try and put you under the bus, there, Jack. There's uh, less to learn as defensive tackle, so it's a bit easier to get in there, isn't it? Just push yeah. the guy in front of you. What do you reckon the score prediction would be? Uh, let's go. Let's go twenty-four fourteen to my Steelers. Jack? No, I'm letting you go first, Paul. <laughs> well, um, Jim, I've, I've publicly come out and said if we beat the Steelers, I will jump into Hyde Park. And you've also guaranteed a win on another podcast as well. Have so. I? Yeah, I think you guaranteed a win on one of them. Okay, so I'm going to go with 21-14 to the Browns. Jack? You're a lot more sensible than me. Thank you for <laughs> I am going to go. I think the Browns get 10. But I think the Steelers get 17. It's not going to be a high-scoring game. But uh, I've said from the start, it'll be a Steelers win. And uh, it'll be traitorous to change now. So, uh, no, that's the way it's going <laughs> to be. Don't worry about that, Jack. Don't worry about that. How, hold on I want to lose the first three and sack you as quickly as possible so don't pretend <laughs> like I actually want to win this game lose the first three sack you and then we'll win more games than if we win one of the first three and keep you all year there's a story well, what more can the guy do I don't know what more he can do to, uh, to get sacked than what he's currently done but I don't know it's a strange one that and like I said, if, if you do lose this first game please don't get downhearted about it you know I think you've got a much better chance this year. Like I said, I, I hope you finish second in the division. If we lose, then we're all sorted. We're getting Chris McNeil back onto the podcast to organise the planning for the perfect season parade again. So uh, we're not taking it in bad spirits. We're, we're positive about yeah. this. Whatever happens, yeah. we're having a perfect season. So we win game one, it's 16-0. and 0. We lose game one, it's 0-16. So it's all good. We'll have a <laughs> How many wins do you think the Browns will get for the whole season? It's like Jack says, you know, is it going to be Hugh that's delivering those wins or not? Uh, you've, you've got the talent to get at least six wins, I think. Maybe eight. I, I think you, ha- you have got that good a unit on both sides of the ball. Um, just need to believe in yourselves. And um, you've definitely got the, the roster on paper to, to make an impact. Uh, the Bengals are all over the shop. Uh, Ravens are no better than that either. So the AFC North is there for the taking, at least, you know, well, hopefully not for the top spot, but um, <laughs> the other two, uh, I think you, you're definitely in the mix there to, to cause some upsets. Yeah. Do you think um, if you goes, Todd Haley would be a good uh, head coach? Uh, I, well... He did okay at Kansas City, didn't he? But I don't know. The, sometimes you're better as a coordinator in the eyes of head coach. The head coach really is just the cheerleader. Um, unless you're someone like Mike McCarthy who thinks he's a good offensive coordinator, and in which case you start butting into to things you shouldn't really be doing. Um, it's one of the, the, the main reasons I don't really complain. You know, when people say, are oh, you going to fire your head coach? I'm like, well... What does he really do? You know, apart from being a bit of a cheerleader, I, I like our offensive and defensive coordinators. So um, it's really up to them. 
I, d- I don't mind, you know, unless you're going to find me someone else is a better head coach. Um, unfortunately, someone like Jeff Fisher looks like David Brent and Hugh Jackson looks like he's a very good running back coach. I think he could almost be a very good offensive, co- offensive um, coordinator. But head coach position isn't for everyone. It's not for you know, Wade Phillips, and he's one of the best defensive coordinators ever. You know, his dad was a much better head coach. It's a very specific position. It's not like a manager in football. Okay. So you flirted with the idea that the Steelers are coming first in the division in your eyes. Who's second, yep. third and fourth this year? Don't need to give us records, just places. <laughs> oh, I'd love it to be uh, Brown second. And then, oh, damn, I hate both the Bengals and the Ravens. Um, uh, let's, I think the Bengals are probably finished with a better record just because they've got a few better skill position players. They've still got AJ Green. Uh, Joe Mixon's being touted by all the fantasy analysts. So let's say they get a couple more wins than the Ravens. I think the Ravens are still in massive rebuild mode. And I don't think they address, address their real problems um, in the draft or in off-season. So looking forward to seeing a really bad season for the Ravens there. Let's, uh, let's keep those fingers crossed. That's interesting. It's, everyone I've spoke to has the Bengals coming third or fourth and the Ravens in second. Um, so... No, it's, it's good to hear a different view. Oh, mate, you, 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 have, the, there, you have the Browns coming first, so uh, I'll take everything you say with a pinch of salt. Are we going to have a little bet if um, Browns come first? You want to do something crazy? <laughs> uh, we'll, ha- we'll have to have a think about it, but uh, I'm happy to take that bet. That seems pretty safe to me. I make some stupid bets in my time, but um, Browns coming first in the FC North. I think I'll take that bet. I'm not saying that. Um... Yeah, you said it. Hold on, you said it. Call the terms. Call the terms. What do you want him to do if the Browns don't win the division? Well, come on, man. Well, we if Jim is so confident the Steelers are going to win the um, division. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, let Jim just offer the terms okay. here. You, you put the bet out. Jim, give us the terms. So we're going with what? The Browns winning the division or the Steelers winning the division? Yeah. Okay, so if the, <laughs> if the Steelers win the division, then, okay, you're already jumping in Hyde Park like if, uh, after this weekend when they lose. Um, no, no, when they win. <laughs> when they win, you're going to jump. Oh, you're yeah. not going to stay dry then. Um, well, let's say you've got to jump in the lake then if they don't win the division. And if it's the other way around, I'll have to jump in. Oh, okay, I like that. Okay, so if the Steelers don't win the division, you're jumping in Hyde Park, yeah? Yep, I can do that. Yeah, it might, I might choose a lake nearer to him, but... We'll take... Yeah, well, yeah. Any lake's not going to be a good lake, I don't think. But uh, well, that's fine. I'm comfortable you, with that. You don't want to go jumping in Lake Erie because Hugh's been in that one. <laughs> and, uh, let's put a little clause in this that Hugh didn't put in there. The day the, the, day the division finalised, then that person does it. Within a week. Okay. He Jim, did wait a long time to do that jump in, didn't he? So, okay, yeah, we'll do that. Okay. I'm putting it out there, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> well, I think you're safe, mate, to be honest. So. <laughs> <laughs> Our show is all about... Uh, big noises. <laughs> yeah, any, uh, any big uh, takes for the uh, division? I just thought I think that it's going to be a lot more competitive between uh, the other three teams in division other than the Steelers. Um, like I said, you've got a really good red zone threat now and you've got 
two quarterbacks that I actually really like. So um, that makes a massive change, you know, to to get some hopefully some stability there at least when they're on the field. Then um, I'm just looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to the, the Bengals and Ravens taking more back steps like they've been doing the last couple of years. So yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you on Twitter, and what's the name of your podcast? Yeah, so you can catch us on Twitter at Jim and the King. Uh, I do the Jim and the King podcast, so you can uh, just check out the website, uh, jimandthekeng.com, uh, or you can find us on iTunes or DoublePod or any of those places that hopefully uh, house podcasts. Uh, we're starting back up again on Wednesday, and we do a weekly podcast talking about all of the teams in the NFL. Um, it's not just me, it's my partner, the King. Uh, we've got Punk Raider and Denver Dave as well. So between the four of us, we try and uh, just talk about what's going on in the league and some of the talking points there. All right, cool. You'll have to get um, drinking Duffin on and uh, <laughs> Pisshead Paul on at some point. <laughs> We'd love to have you on, guys. It's been, it's been great talking to you. And yeah, we hopefully want to catch up a few, a few times during the season. No, great. Yeah, and, on, and uh, like on Twitter and... Uh, on um, Facebook, we're always up for a bit of banter and have a bit of fun. So, uh, um, do you go to Hippodrome a lot or not? Uh, no, don't get the chance too often, guys. No, but um, can always make exceptions. Does Does um, Reading have a uh, NFL scene? Well, I don't know. <laughs> not Not too much. There's no kind of a specific place. But when there are Super Bowl parties. Uh, it's usually pretty busy so people do turn out for those things but there's not a regular scene unfortunately well we're actually hosting a event at the Hippodrome for the second Steelers game it's our one year anniversary since the Browns came over to London so okay. we're bringing quite a big crowd for that so um, if you want to come along first beer's on me and uh, yeah it'd be good to see you there sounds good thanks guys no worries and if you obviously potentially could wrap up the division that day. We'll in, <laughs> kind of get to the, in the lake that evening. Excellent. That is, that is a plan there. <laughs> Jack, I can't believe it, right? You're so negative. You want us to lose in Sashi Brown style so Hugh Jackson gets sacked. No, I don't. I just want us to lose the first three games. So we bench Tyrod. Haley comes in as head coach. And then we go on a good winning run with Baker and with uh, Haley, And I think long-term, that will be a massive benefit to us because the quicker we can get rid of whatever Hugh is, I don't think, I feel wrong calling him our head coach, then it's, it's better. Have you not been listening to Jim? Jim has been saying Todd is not going to be a good head, head coach. But I, I would take a bad head coach over whatever Hugh Jackson is. And I only want Haley in there till the end of the year because then we've got, oh, my boy Lincoln Riley's coming in. All right, well, look, you keep dreaming, uh, Jack. This is the real world, okay? Q is staying. You reckon the Browns are winning the division, so don't give me that. <laughs> All right, guys, look. Change is coming. We're going to win the division. Mate, Leicester, remember Leicester when they were about to, they were favourites to be relegated and they won the uh, won the league? That's yeah. soccer, by the way, sorry. And if someone <laughs> wins the lottery, is it going to happen again the next week? Let's see, eh? Anyway, Jim, thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. It's been a pleasure. All right, great. Thanks a lot.
There's change coming. There's change coming.